selective outrage. This particular concept is essentially when we choose as people to prioritize certain issues over others based on their proximity to our personal lives. So the Bible doesn't condone hatred, but the Bible distinguishes between the behavior. And the Bible is clear about certain behaviors. When things affect our loved ones or people in our social circle or even us, we take it personal. So even in Jesus's day, he spoke out against things that were not right. He challenged people to think about their own religion. But then there are also people that God has called to speak the truth. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Today we are talking about the question of selective outrage. This particular concept is essentially when we choose as people to prioritize certain issues over others based on their proximity to our personal lives. So it's really interesting when we think about it from a psychological standpoint in terms of why we're wired this way, but then also how it impacts us as members of a larger community. And so I started thinking about this actually a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago now because I recorded this episode on Friday for the Perspective View podcast and thinking about what's happening in the news, what's happening just all around our world. I thought, how timely. And so one example that is pretty popular right now is if you have been following the controversy um, between the large retailer and the designer, Eric Carnell, they own a company that's designed to promote his identity and his work. And it's actually uh, from the website, a translation of the word ricochet. And it's based on the fact that Eric has mentioned that living as a gay trans man, it's hard to find a place in this world. And so he was contacted by the major retailer and was asked to provide some of his products for the Pride collection. Well, what ended up happening is that Christians decided to speak out as well as some other um, religious individuals who said that we should boycott this. So there was a tweet that went out back on May 23rd um, from someone by the name of Mercedes Schlapp saying that all Christians and religious need to boycott Target, the store. We need to send a message to these woke companies that choose evil as their marketing tactic. It's just sick. Target Pride Month partner boasts about Satanism. Satan respects pronouns. So, of course, when you look at some of the the content that this individual has on their website, it does in fact say that on their site. 
that Satan protect um, that Satan respects pronouns. There's things about witches and warlocks um, on the website. What I find interesting, though, in this whole conundrum is the fact that, again, there are two sides. There are people who are upset because they feel like it goes against their religious beliefs and they have the right to do so. But then on the opposite side, there are people who feel like this goes against their identity and they have the right to feel that way as well. But what's interesting is I feel like we live in a day and age where what's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander, meaning people may be more accepting of certain things, certain behaviors, certain ideologies, certain religions, things of that nature. Whereas on the flip side, we may be less inclined and less accepting of something that opposes our point of view and or perspective. And so again, it goes back to the point that as humans, we tend to prioritize certain issues based on their proximity. So if something doesn't directly impact us, we might be less likely to give it time, attention, and energy. So you think about a parent. If a parent is like, you know what? I do not want my child to learn about certain aspects of sexuality until they are of an age in which they can understand. That is well within that parent's right to make that decision because they're a parent. However, on the flip side, there may be other parents who say, I don't care whether, you know, my child learns about this or not. I think it's important for them to learn. But what I find interesting is, again, that selective outrage where we are able to see and say, you know what, you all should not act that way. For instance, Christians, I have seen a lot of people now saying, you know what, Christians, you should not act this way. You should not say that this is wrong. You should not boycott Target. This is stupid or whatever. I've seen a lot of interesting things online, but in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what is the difference? So you have a choice not to boycott, whereas if there is a Christian who decides, and there's a lot of Christians who are also joining this argument who disagree with the Christians who've called for the boycott. And so I just find it interesting to say the least is that unless it is something that individuals believe in, something that they hold near and dear to their hearts, something that they care about because of the proximity to their lives, then quite frankly, individuals may and or may not care. And so I started researching just the thought process of selective outrage. I thought about the fact that when things affect our loved ones or people in our social circle or even us, we take it personal. But why do we tend to operate this way as people? So when you think about our brains, it is shown that our brains are wired to prioritize issues that directly affect us or those close to our circle. So it's sort of a survival instinct um, for us to allocate a certain limited amount of mental and emotional resources efficiently. So it allows us to compartmentalize and say, you know what, if this is not affecting me directly, it's not a priority. And so when you think about us as people, society would say, you know what, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are heartless. It's just how our brains are wired 
But when you think about that, there are so many examples of this. Even when you go back and you think about what the Bible says, as a Christian, as a believer in God, you have the right to read the Bible for yourself, to interpret the Bible based on what the Holy Spirit shares with you. And there have been people reading and interpreting the Bible for years. And the Bible, a lot of people will say, well, it's written by a man. And that is true. Written by a man, inspired by God. But it really, again, goes back to what we believe. So we see this particular situation in a full manner of things in the United States and abroad. And so when you think about that, it made me think about the Bible. And, you know, I think about the different stories. I think about the fact that when Jesus did things and he he said things, people didn't always understand because they were looking at it from their point of view. So for me, I choose not to say that another fellow believer is wrong. But what I do choose is the truth in terms of my truth and what the Bible says. And so for me, I may not necessarily agree with everything, but that's why we're all different. But on top of that, I think I would encourage people to read the word for themselves, um, especially in this day and time, and ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you regarding what you should do, what you and your household should do. Because if we allow everything, or if we allow some things, we are noticing that there is an agenda that allows and pushes everything. And so I find it interesting and also ironic that oftentimes Christians will receive a lot of flack about their beliefs as a Christian. On the flip side, individuals may be more tolerant of things that are not associated with the Christian religion. And I get it. People will say, well, you know, Christians have harmed people. They've done these horrible things. Some Christians have committed rape and adultery and a whole multitude of things. And I always encourage people to not look at God as the things that people do, because those are individuals. That is what they do. They are not God. People are not God. And so that was a revelation that I had for myself where I was like, you know what? I'm not putting a person on a pedestal because a person will fall. And because as a society, we idolize people, we will tend to get upset about people who share their personal beliefs and or perspectives. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but isn't it the same thing? If you don't like a Christian talking to other Christians about their beliefs, then what is the difference? So in that same token, there are people who feel like, you know, Christians should not speak out against Satan. But if we openly allow Satanists, for instance, to perform at award shows or provide entertainment that has a a lot of symbolism as it relates to Satan specifically, if that's not a problem, then why is it a problem if there's a person who's a believer in God who disagrees? It is the same thing. So if we're not allowing them to come on stage and parade certain things or 
you know, make other people feel uncomfortable because of their beliefs, I would think that the same thing would hold true. So it's just interesting, I think, on both sides of the aisle. I think right now the the fight is so much bigger than what we see. And as a believer, I I find that the selective outrage is definitely interesting. And it makes me think about the Bible. And when we look at John 8, it talks about when Jesus went out into the Mountain of Olives. Early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This, they said, tempting him, tempting Jesus, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, him, he lifted himself up and he said unto them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted of their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know, know, know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. And then Jesus said unto them, I go my way and ye shall ask me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said, therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say 
and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake of them of the father. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the son of man, then shall ye know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The father hath not let me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make ye free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and I came from God. Neither came of myself, but he who sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are the father. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me a sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto them, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say to you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And when I read that, I thought to myself, How fitting for a time such as this. Jesus 
was the Messiah. Jesus knew that he was called. He was not called to honor himself, but to honor God. Yet the people who said they believed in God could not hear him. Because as Jesus said, because ye are of your father, the devil, because you don't know God, because if you knew God, then you would know who I am. And so I feel like this battle that we are seeing right now, even with regard to the topic of selective outrage, as a believer, the Holy Spirit will minister to you in power and in truth, what it is that the Holy Spirit wants you to see. And so I would encourage you, rather than listening to people, and I get it, I'm on this platform, I'm talking, I am a person, don't put me on a pedestal because I'm human too. And I make mistakes just like the rest of you all. What I will say is read the word for yourself. If you believe in the Bible, read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit minister to you regarding what the Lord would have you know and understand. Because if your spirit is in alignment with the word of God, there are things that you will be convicted by. And the reason that we get conviction is because God wants us to know the truth. As the word says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But sadly, a lot of people really don't want to know the truth. Individuals want to know what makes them feel good. And so when we get convicted and the Holy Spirit shows us something about ourselves, or someone strikes a nerve, then we get upset. It is similar to the topic of selective outrage. So when we think about even in American society, there's a lot of issues where it's demonstrated that there is selective outrage at play. When you think about race relations, we have individuals who may have an issue with someone treating an animal inhumanely. And they'll say the animal was treated inhumanely. This, this animal deserves to be treated a certain way and they demand animal rights. But those same individuals may not understand why people should be treated a certain way. And so that subset of the population might be outraged. The internet might explode with anger, petitions circulating. There's a demand for justice. But then within that same community, same individuals, a case of racial discrimination arises affecting individuals of a marginalized background, but the response may not garner the same level of attention or urgency, even though it impacts people in their lives. And when you think about it, there's something else called in-group bias, where we tend to feel more empathy and connection with those who are similar to us or share our social identity. So it's easier for us as people to relate to those who look like us, think like us, have similar backgrounds, or share similar experiences. The bias can unintentionally affect how we perceive and respond to different issues. And the same thing is true. Even in the word, individuals may have had a bias for certain things. And so when Jesus was speaking to them, they really didn't understand it. And so right now, what I see in the faith, and the Christian faith, that's who I'm talking to. I'm not speaking to people who don't believe because they don't believe. It is clear. That is not who the message is for. But for those who do say they believe, then they have to test the spirits. They have to watch for the fruit. And so 
when we think about the end times in Luke 21, it talks about the signs of where we are now. And what is interesting is individuals may say, you know what? I don't believe this about what the Bible says, but I believe something else. So again, they have their selection of what they want to believe and what they want to be outraged about. And so in Luke 21, starting at verse eight, it says, he replied, watch out that ye are not deceived for many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famine and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life, aka everlasting life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that is that desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can also see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. So even in Jesus's day, he spoke out against things that were not right. He challenged people to think about their own religion, a.k.a. the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And I get it. There are Christians who are like, you know what? There are a lot of religious people. And I would agree with that. But then there are also people that God has called 
to speak the truth. And the thing is, people don't always like the truth. But the word reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, but test them all, hold on to what is good. But I find it interesting now that individuals, they don't want people to test them. They want individuals to tell them what they want to hear. So if you are a believer, in that same chapter in verse 19, it says, do not quench the spirit, aka the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Continuing in verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So when you think about this, the word is saying, it is not my job to quench the spirit or to treat prophecies with contempt because who am I to say God didn't give them that word? That is not my place. However, what God does say is test them all. Hold on to what is good. And as a believer, a believer is well within their right to say to other believers, you should stand against this because it is in a line with the devil. They have just as much right to say that as someone who is on the opposing side, who is okay with messages that promote Satan to say, hey, if you believe this and you are more concerned about this aspect of your own personal life, come to Satan. He will accept you. They are well within their right to do that. That is not who the believers are talking to because in that case, they serve a different God. If they are okay with the, the P the messaging about Satan and protecting pronouns or what, whatever it is, they have a right to believe that the same way that I have a right to believe in God. The word is clear on certain things, but I, in my own humanity, I'm not going to someone else that may not believe in the faith and spitting Bible verses at them. That's just not what I do. So I'm not going to go to them and say, you know what? You believe in Satan. You are promoting Satanism and you're saying that Satan respects pronouns and you're going to go to hell. I personally, that is not how I am. What I would say is as a believer, I know that that's what I, like, I know what the word says about what I believe. So I will follow in what the word believes for me. That means that I will not buy certain clothes or certain things for my child because of what I believe and what I think for my household. And so I have a right to do what I need to do for me and my household the same way that other individuals have a right to do what's best for their household. I choose not to treat other individuals who may have a different belief with a certain attitude, because in my mind, I may be the only God that they see. And so I can 
exist with anyone, regardless of their belief, as long as their belief doesn't stop me from believing in what I believe. So, and and I say that because I've been in situations where I've talked to people who are atheists. They don't believe in God. And I didn't tell them, you know what? You don't believe in God. I'm not going to talk to you. I, I hate you. I never said any of that because I don't. We had a pretty good relationship. I literally just said, if it is God's will, may God be revealed. But they openly said they were atheists, but then they also told me that they loved me because I walked in love, much like Jesus. Jesus didn't condemn the woman in adultery. Jesus literally said, let you who was without sin cast the first stone at her. And they all walked away because they too were sinners. And I think about our lives, but the way I look at it is I'm also not going to condemn a prophet for sharing whatever it is that God has laid on their heart, because that is what God and the Holy Spirit has told them to share. So the reason I say that this topic of selective outrage is interesting is because the very same thing that people get upset with others about, so saying, you know, this doesn't allow me to believe how I want to believe. The Bible doesn't condone hatred, but the Bible distinguishes between the behavior and the Bible is clear about certain behaviors. It doesn't just talk about homosexuality. The Bible also talks about other forms of immorality. It talks about other sexual sins. It talks about adultery. It talks about prostitution. So again, it is this selective outrage. I might be okay with committing adultery, but I don't want, but say for instance, I'm, I'm not okay with homosexuality. If all, if both things are listed in the Bible, um, you really can't say, you know what? I'm going to disregard what the Bible says because it doesn't feel good to me because it doesn't align with what I want to believe. It doesn't align with what I want to do. Because again, now you get back into that selective outrage. People get mad because it doesn't align with what they want to do. And they want to literally say, you know what? My sin is different. No, your sin is sin. According to the Bible, sin is sin. So whatever the sin is, we have to be willing to have the same, honestly, as a believer. And again, I'm talking to believers. This message is not for anyone that does not believe in God. It is not going to make sense to anyone who doesn't believe in God. Sinners are going to sin. The messages that other believers are sharing are not for sinners. The message is for other believers. And I will again state, they have as much right to state as a believer what they believe as much as anyone else has a right to state what they don't believe. But I also think that we should not push and or force those things on other people. Like I am not going to force my religion on anyone else. What I will do is act in love and show them from my fruit, how I live, that they may see God in me and then God will get the glory. Because literally in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, 
It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible is clear for those who believe in God. So, yes. The word also tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because all have sinned, we literally have to go to God for his grace and mercy. We are saved by grace, not by works. We can do as much as we want to. We can say as much as we want to. But the Bible is clear that we are saved by grace, but we have to believe in his son. Because if we don't believe in his son, the word says, you don't believe in me. And Jesus said it earlier when I read that scripture, Jesus said the same thing. And the people were confused. The religious people were confused. The Gentiles were definitely confused because they didn't believe in God anyway. That makes sense. But what's interesting is that Christians are confused, but the Christians are confused because they don't want to read the Bible and they want to have selective outrage about what the word says. So if we want to be upset about one thing, we have to be upset about the rest of it as well. We can't just harp on one sin and then sweep hours under the rug or go to a different church where the pastor says what we want to hear. But then the Bible also tells us, do not treat prophecies with contempt. That also means don't treat prophets with contempt because those are the people that God has sent to send out a warning for such a time as this. In Luke 21, the Bible says that all of these things will come and that people will turn against each other and that believers will be persecuted for Jesus's namesake. That is happening now. However, the word also reminds those who believe to watch and pray. To watch and pray. So my message to you today is to watch and pray. And if you are a believer, you ask God to show you the spirit behind certain things. And I believe that he will. I am grateful to God for conviction. I get convicted about a lot of stuff. Like I said, I am not perfect and I don't claim to be. None of us are. But I just encourage you to take a look at yourself and you realize that our selective bias is certainly a paradoxical situation. We can be quick to defend one side of the coin, yet struggle to extend the same level of empathy, concern, grace to others on the other side. So that inconsistency in who we are as people is something that we have to think about, but then something that we also have to address. And for those who are believers, you have to read the word for yourself. God sends people to share their experiences because the Bible reminds us in Revelations 12 that we overcome the enemy through the power of our testimony. So if I don't share what God has done, how is God going to get the glory? Because there are people who are just like me who need to hear my word, who need to hear my testimony, who need to hear my truth because that may set them free and draw them into a closer relationship with God. But what the enemy wants us to do is to be silent, to act like we have no sin, to act like we are gods, to act like we are idols, to act like 
we are perfect. And to cast judgment on everyone else. Meanwhile, in the words of uh, Prophetess Tiffany Montgomery, babysitting our pet demons. We don't want to talk about this, but we want to talk about that because we have selective outrage. We don't want to go to the Bible and read what the Bible says. Or we want to pull out the scriptures that feel good to us. We're okay if the pastor is talking about, and it's so funny, I've been reading and seeing a lot of stuff online, and even Prophetess Tiffany Montgomery shared something recently that said, we're okay with Christians preaching prosperity, but heaven forbid they preach something like some of what I read today. The word says what it says. We don't get to pick and choose what the word says as a believer. What we can do is make a decision for ourselves. No, you don't have to put it on social media what your decision is. Oftentimes I don't because I'm like, I'm not engaging in a unnecessary battle. Because the, even the word says, you we don't have to defend the word. You are a child of light, a child of the day. You don't belong to night or darkness. So if people are asleep and they want to be asleep, that is their choice. But the word will defend itself. And that's something that I've had to learn is that I cannot defend God better than God can defend God. And as much as I may want to speak on certain things, unless I feel led in my spirit to do so, oftentimes I won't because I may be speaking from flesh and not from God, if that makes sense. But the word is strong enough to stand on its own. And so I will read the word. And if God tells me to share something, I will. Because I have lived a lot of my life focused on pleasing people, but not focused on what God tells me to do. And I'm like, time over for that. So it is important for us to acknowledge the fact that we do have selective bias as people. And in order for us to work towards a more inclusive society, it takes effort. And when we say an inclusive society, that does not mean that we cannot have our religious beliefs. And I think that's the piece that is a struggle for some people because in that same inclusion, religion is included. That means as a believer of Jesus Christ and God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I have just as much right to be a believer in that as someone who doesn't want to believe in that. So I respect the fact that if you want to worship the devil, worship the devil. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I hope this message really gets you to think today, but then it also challenges what we're seeing play out on news screens every day. Many of the individuals who have spoken out against the clothing line at Target and the designer, they are literally speaking out from their point and or perspective regarding their beliefs. They did not say, people who disagree the per, some well some of them may have not I'm not speaking for everyone but some of them literally said they are speaking to believers but even believers got upset they didn't say all people should boycott target in this one post it says 
all Christians and religious need to boycott Target. They have a right to say that. The same way on the flip side, others are like, seriously, why are you so upset? And so someone else posted, WTF, Satan loves and respects who you are. LGBTQIA people are so often referring to as being a product of Satan or going against God's will. So fine, we'll hang with Satan instead. That was posted by Scarlett Johnson on the same date. But what's interesting is, I'm like, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. The Christians didn't say that the, that this, this person said that the, the Christian literally said what the person has on a pen that says Satan respects pronouns. But yet in the opposing tweet, it says so often people of the LGBTQIA community are referred to as being a product of Satan or going against God's will. So we'll hang with Satan instead. And that's fine. They are well within their right to do so. They are well within their right to do so. I also get that it does not sit well with people because, again, of their own beliefs. And I'm not here to put anyone in heaven or hell because, I, like I said, I'm human. I make mistakes too, but I choose to walk in love. If I can sit with an atheist and have a conversation, I feel like I can also sit with someone who is who identifies as part of the LGBTQIA community. Because in my mind, if God wants them to see something different, he will show them something different. But what I can show them is love and I can share my truth respectfully and also understand that other people may not share in my beliefs. And I just find it hilarious sometimes when people get on my YouTube page and they go off on me about my belief. And I say, it's no different. If you can come on my page and bash me and, and say these negative things about me, many of which I actually do not share on my page, I hide it um, because I let YouTube flag anything that's deemed inappropriate and for good reason, because some of the comments, you all would be shocked by the things that people say behind the scenes. And actually they're okay with having it open. Um, but I'm like, what you will not do is share that on my page because I have as much right to block that negativity as much as you have a right to not write on my page. I personally, if I see something I disagree with, I don't go arguing with someone about what they put on their page. It is their page. They have just as much right to post what they want as I do. But I'm also not going on their page to tell them, hey, you're wrong. Because it's your page. You can post what you want on your page. And just like you can post what you want on your page, I can post what I want on mine. And for whoever the message is supposed to resonate with and or reach, that is who the message is for. It is not for the people who don't believe in the first place. I would be foolish to keep arguing with someone about something that they don't even believe in. So as the word says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life and the day in which Jesus comes, it will close on you suddenly like a trap. I don't want to be like the foolish virgin and not be ready when Jesus comes. I'm just trying to get my heart right. And I can only focus on getting my heart right. 
and realizing that individuals will not like that. And that's okay. And many people, the same believers who are criticizing other believers for speaking the word and what the the word says about certain things, it's definitely going to be an interesting time because we all have to answer for everything that we do. But those prophets also have to answer for what they say and what they don't say. And I am a firm believer in what it says in 1 Samuel 15. The reason Saul was rejected as king was not because God rejected him. Literally, it says in verse 10, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 10, it says, then the word of Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was upset that Saul, that Saul's place in the kingdom was taken away. But Saul knew why. Because Saul did not obey God. And fast forward to verse 20. Saul tried to say he obeyed the Lord, but he didn't because God told him to destroy everything that was of the Amalekites. But Saul said, you know what? I'm going to bring back their King Agag. I'm going to save some of the sheep, some of the cattle from the plunder, the best and devote it to God. That's not what God said. He told him to give, to take care of everything, get rid of it, get rid of them all. And Samuel replied in in verse 22, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, aka witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because ye have rejected the word of God, he hath rejected you as king. And literally, Saul goes on to say in 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men. So I gave in to them. Don't let it be too late because you want to give in to men, AKA give in to sin. Go to the word, read the word and ask God to show you your heart and show you yourself. And on that note, keep on keeping on. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.